0: Welcome back to the Be A Better Ally podcast. My name is Trisha Friedman. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. If you are curious about the intersection of justice and creativity, this conversation I think is going to be one that you will enjoy and learn from. Our special guest on today is Ana Velasco Sanchez, and we are going to be talking about a lot of the work that she does as an educator, consultant, writer, and artist. And I want to let you know at the top of the episode that when you hear us talking about things like her Interlocking Justice Framework and the Interlocking Justice Institute, as well as her Abundance deck, we've got all of those links ready for you over there in the show notes, because I have no doubt that by the end of this conversation, you're going to be curious about how you can get involved with the work that she does. And you're going to want to learn more about potential future connections. So please do be sure to check out the show notes. Without further ado, please welcome this week's special guest. I'm wondering if we can start our discussion exploring a resource that you generously share on your website. Listeners, the link to that is over there in the show notes. And it's a guide to an activity that, as I'm looking over it, it really seems to center creativity and communication. It is your abundance deck guide. Might you take our listeners through what that experience is all about? Absolutely.
1: Uh, so a am an artist uh, in addition to my business that I run. And so I have a deep value and love for art and for creation. And I think that it creates space for conversations that might not have otherwise happened. It has people think in a way they might not have otherwise thought. Um, and I think particularly because I work almost exclusively with adults, on some very complex topics, um, they, they're they a, a little too intellectual, <laughs> and they're a little too in their head. And so doing art projects and and creating things together, even in the midst of these very complex conversations, I have found uh, opens up a different part of their spirit, of their mind. And, and so I incorporate art into a lot of what I do. One of the ways in which I've done that is in... Um, spaces where I'm talking about healing justice and my approach to talking about healing justice, meaning this centering um, one coming out of uh, queer predominantly black disabled spaces, this understanding that healing wellness care, a communal practice of care needs to be at the center of how we approach justice. And I believe that deeply that is not a natural posture for a lot of people. And so the abundance deck came out of one of the practices that I do with communities where I'm trying to get them to think about how do I not only care for myself in the midst of everything I'm experiencing and feeling, but how do we care for one another? Um, And so the idea behind the abundance deck is to have people, I usually have music going, we'll take some time with a bunch of art supplies, uh, and I'll have them cut them up to look sort of like uh, a deck of cards, almost a little bit like an oversized deck of cards. And on each one, I say, write write something that offers you uh, relief, release, healing, a sense of centering, grounding. It could be a favorite recipe. It could be tips for how I do my afternoon walk in nature, you know, my favorite way to take a bubble bath, whatever it might be. Um, how I approach therapy, <laughs> like uh, tips for dealing with life with ADHD, like the, the, possibilities are limitless but I ask people to create these and then we take time going around and sharing what we included and why we included it and then we gift it to somebody else in the space Um, or actually more accurately somebody in the space asks for it as a gift someone who connects with what you've written and says you know what those look like tools and practices that I could really benefit from that I maybe didn't naturally think about may I have your deck and so the idea is that we are, we live with such a mentality of scarcity that, um, and it is, there, oftentimes it very, it's a very real feeling for a very real reason, <laughs> um, but I don't think that we are truly lacking in an ability to care for one another and in an inability to care for ourselves um, if we think about it as a communal process. And so the Abundance Deck is a practice to get us thinking about care as a communal process.
0: I love that because baked into that experience, as you said, is that self-advocacy and that move of simply asking for a gift for yourself also means you need to know, like, what do I need? Yes, And that's an important question to be reflecting on. I- I'm wondering, you know, you talked about how critical, how pivotal it is that your artist identity is showing up in your work, in the way that you approach community building. Mm-hmm what does it mean for you to nurture your artistic side? Um, are there, you know, like I notice, if it's been a while since I have read a work of fiction, I know something's not right. Like if mm-hmm. I haven't been able to make that time for myself, it's always like, you know, like a little bit of a an alarm should be going off for me. Yeah. Um, so is there something that you do to make sure that side of yourself is being looked after cared for is there a practice that's important to you that you know if it's been a while since i have done x um that you need to think a little bit about like <laughs> your your time or the the demands on your schedule mm-hmm. yeah
1: i it's funny because you know if i think about anna Chelsea in her 20s if i think about myself Ugh, 10 to 15 years ago, um, uh, I had nothing but time and very little resources. And so I could paint day in and day out. And I was painting with, you know, dollar store paints and reused canvases that I got from from Goodwill, but I was painting. And now I have a thriving business and a really fulfilling like marriage and relationship. But that takes work. I have friendships that I have to care for. Um, I don't have the same luxury of time for art. Um, I have the same level of need for it. (laughs) Um, So now I can buy all these supplies. I can, to my heart's content, the the nicest paints, the best canvases. And I'm like, when am am I going to get to use them? Um, And so it's it's probably not, I wouldn't say this is advice. I'll just say this is what it has looked like for me. Um, I don't sleep a lot. I struggle with sleep. Sometimes it's late night painting. Sometimes it's very early morning painting. Sometimes, like right now, while you and I are speaking, I'm working on a painting Um, because talking makes me you wouldn't think this because my whole business is talking. Talking makes me anxious. So (laughs) I'm painting and talking with you right now. So and sometimes it's my husband saying, oh, you're you're uh, in some type of mood. Have have you thought about breaking out a canvas? Um, So it's somebody else pointing out that maybe I could stand to get in touch with my creative creative
0: side. Um, So it's a mixed bag. Well, I, I um, yeah, you know, I, I appreciate to you mentioning, I think sometimes we underestimate the time we need for our relationships. And I guess like I'm in my 40s now and I'm feeling that now more than ever. And I'm not sure, am I just more aware of it or my priorities shifting? Mm. Um, but I find like my wife and I have that conversation, you know, around adjustments we've made to try to really um make sure that time we have when we aren't working is it's really looked after so uh, we have tried really hard like one day of the weekend to be free of our devices and our screens Mm. and it's really interesting like I'm thinking about going into summer just some of the parameters I want to place around my use of tech um because unfortunately like you know I find technology is really great at stealing our time and our yeah. attention. Yep. Um, at the time that we, you and I are having this call, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you're in the middle of your Interlocking Justice Institute. Uh, for listeners, great. <laughs> My research <laughs> is correct. Uh, I, I think listeners are immediately going to want to know more about the possibilities of that institute as well as your interlocking framework. Can you say more about the the concept of interlocking justice and how folks can partner with you uh, perhaps in in the future or for listeners of this show in the coming new academic year?
1: Yeah. Uh, So in the most
0: uh,
1: healing justice sort of hippie granola sounding way of (laughs) describing it, I would say it's my offering to, to the world, in particular, it's my offering to people that have committed their lives to, to justice and liberation work in some form or fashion. Um, in a much more business savvy way, I would probably say it is my, I have a friend who told me how to describe it. What did she say? It is my signature methodology. <laughs> so use you know whatever language you prefer, it's my offering, it is my signature methodology. But Interlocking Justice was born out of uh, my, Exhaustion, emotional and physical, spiritual exhaustion, frustration, trauma from having spent, um, you know, about 20 years in, in justice and liberation spaces and finding that no matter what city or state or, you know, issue focus or a type of community I was in, I kept seeing the same things. I kept seeing the same recreation of, of, Painful and harmful practices. I kept seeing the same toxicity that we were saying we wanted to dismantle and re like and reimagine something new in its place. Somehow we were still recreating it. And I think that that that's not a condemnation of my like myself, current or past, or the people I was in relationship with. I think that's just what happens when you're in a society. Like no matter how vigilant you are, it's very hard not to to hold on to some of those practices and recreate them in spaces. So. Interlocking justice was me saying, what does it look like for us not to just do justice work well? What does it look like for us to be well in the process? That it matters not just that we're doing it, but how we're doing it. Um, And so that's really where it was born out of. I left my last organization I worked for before I went into business um, independently. I left in a very painful way. And I think I'm still healing from that. And it's been five years And I know a lot of people with similar stories, it's very unfortunate that that is in no way unique to say, oh, I devoted, you know, years, if not decades to an organization, and I walked away with harm and very little to show for it. That is not okay. That to me is not an acceptable loss in the pursuit of justice. People are not an acceptable loss in the pursuit of justice. And so interlocking justice is responding to that. Um. I can tell you a bit more of the, about the institute but i can pause there if you like
0: <laughs> well i you know i agree with you the the pattern i have heard that narrative countless times numerous guests on this show have have shared that similar story so i am sorry that you went through that i you know i'm in a way it's admirable that this has come out of that um and that you know, you were probably already aware of the need for the work to be done differently. Um, recently, Celeste Headley, I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with her. She has a, a new podcast that's that's out. And there's an episode that she's just released uh, with a, a, a DEI practitioner who, you know, really digs into how the traditional model of DEI does mm. more harm than good. Yep, I totally um, agree. And it's, it's from sort of the corporate world. Um, experience but the the links between that and the world of education are just plenty and so mm-hmm. you know I, on your website uh, i'm sorry I'm, I'm paraphrasing this isn't a direct quote but you say something along the lines of being not as interested in that first step but in mm-hmm. you know continuing to walk the path because i know so often folks approach the work as either transactional or tick box like Mm -hmm. um and you know i I, i'm wondering and and i want to hear more about the institute because where we started this conversation with you talking about healing and what it means to be an artist and and often even just in that it means really thinking about pace and thinking about not a linear timeline Um, i'm hoping i'm maybe making a bridge to you saying more about the institute itself and that like, maybe I'm interpreting that correctly, that that's showing up in that space as well. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, I I mean, one, I completely agree with this person that you were speaking to. I think DEI is, I mean, it, it was born out of a, a corporate model. It's a response to an HR need to keep uh, companies, businesses, for-profit spaces legally protected from... Uh, people being very upset by the ways in which they're being harmed and taking legal action. That's not a bad thing. That's not what I'm doing. And the reason I say that I'm not as concerned with the first step is because there are far too many people doing the first step. You can easily find someone now in terms of how great the education is going to be that I'm sure varies, but you can fairly easily find somebody to show up and do your weekend, you know, microaggressions workshop or your weekend one-on-one to anti-racism, and people do need those things, I don't need to be the person offering that. There are far too many offering that already. I do not see as many people having the types of conversations that I want to have and going deep in the way I want to go. My background is as a community organizer. I am pretty naturally concerned with what does this mean for systems? What does this mean for concrete change? What does this mean for accountability? What does this mean in terms of power dynamics, understanding them, relating to them, considering them in all of our decision-making? Those are not questions that get asked when you do traditional DEI work. And those are the questions that I want to be talking about. I want to be answering, working to find answers for together. Um, so out of that comes the Institute where I've taken this, this offering of mine and I've said, well, how... How best can I share this? And so the two ways that I share it is I work one-on-one with communities. I have, you know, because I said I don't do DEI, that means I don't do a lot of one-off weekends. I partner with the community for usually about a year uh, to do work with them month in and out because it takes that sort of engagement, that sort of commitment. That's why not many folks do it. For folks who aren't ready for that level but still want to have the conversation and still want to learn more about interlocking justice, I offer my institute, It's, you know, depending on which cohort you're a part of, it's an eight to nine to 10 week course where you get a sort of deep dive intensive into what is interlocking justice. And for those who are like, well, what is it? She hasn't actually said, (laughs) I can tell you that now Um, it's five practices. I started from a place of how do we approach justice? One, as I said, where we're all well, we're all there at the end of the process and how do we do it in a way where we're not piecemealing justice work where we're not siloing justice work which is so often our approach you over there work on lgbtq plus inclu- inclusion you over there work on anti racism and you over there work on disability you know and if sometimes we harm one another in the process of our own pursuits that's fine because the bottom like the bottom line is our end goal that's what's important i do not think that's how we should approach justice interlocking justice asks how do we start from a place of there is a universal movement we each have our role in it and we have to consider one another. Um, and then there are these five practices that take you from what I start with is restorative practice, which is where is the alignment in who you are, your body, your mind, spirit. How do we care for all those parts of yourself in a communal, in a communal way, sort of like the abundance deck. Um, and I take you all the way to what I call expansive practice which is how do we approach justice where we are in partnership indirectly or directly with everybody doing this work in many different ways, in many different places. And so that's the the idea behind the institute. Institute is to begin learning about those five practices, and then for communities who are ready to 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 join with me and to go really deep with it.
0: I talk a lot on this show about the work of Adrienne Marie Brown, who uh, yes. uh, like has just been really foundational for for me in my journey. And I feel like what you're talking about reminds me of um, what Adrian Marie Brown says about small is all and digging into the relational component and right. thinking really authentically about how we exist together, how we learn together, how I communicate, how I want, you know, you to treat me and, and vice versa. So, you know, I I am guessing for many who are engaging with those five practices, the model that you're talking about is so dramatically different from quote unquote, traditional Mm -hmm. DEI, right? And I I feel like for some folks who have never been cared for in that way, or have never even been given the gift of a pace that allows them to think about relationships. I know this sounds like almost um, like a simplification, but I, I think most workplaces, most schools don't operate at that pace where we stop and we think about our community, both our community at the macro level and the micro level. Um, Can you maybe speak to the, you know, some of the folks who have been a part of the, the Institute where, am I wrong? You know, are people saying like, oh, I am used to this or like Mm -hmm. in my, in my imagination, this is often for many people, maybe the first time they've experienced that? Absolutely. Uh, One, yes,
1: Adrienne Marie Brown, uh, I adore her work. uh, And I talk about her a lot when I talk about interlocking justice and talk about emergent strategy a lot when I'm talking about interlocking justice, because I think it speaks to some very key components of it. And one of the things people will find if they are a part of the Institute or any other spaces I'm, um, I'm in, that I, I say a lot that we do not honor uh, those who came before us enough. We do not acknowledge um, whose labor uh, made our labor possible. And I would say that Adrian Brown is one of the names that I evoke to say like, there was work that came long before I, you know, started to imagine this. And so we're not too long, we're not too far in age. But... Um, but so yes, I love Adrian Marie Brown. Um, as for, uh, how people respond. Yeah, it is, it is antithetical to how they, a lot of folks have been taught to approach this work. And that includes people who, you know, the Institute is not for somebody who's saying, oh, I work a normal nine to five, but I just wanted to learn a little bit about justice. It's people who are doing this day in and day out. And it's still, um, sort of revolutionary for them to think about it in this, in this posture. Uh, One of the best things I would say that has come out of the Institute is getting, giving people an opportunity to see it lived out, even in the way in which the classes are held. And so, for example, I live with chronic pain and chronic illness. My students have seen me teaching class from bed with, you know, like, like, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't turn the lights up. It's too dark. I'm in pain right now, but I'm here, like. But I had to do it with my modifications that made sense for me. And if I needed to to say I can't do class tonight, I would say that as well. I have multiple students who bring their kids. Their kids are up and about and running around during class, and you know, coming popping up to say hello and 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 whatnot. And and folks are coming in and out as they're able and having their meals. Like the whole idea is bring your whole self. You're not a drone for justice. You're not, you, you're, a human, you're a fully fleshed out human being with needs and with other demands for your attention and time. And I think getting to see that even in the space where we're learning about interlocking justice helps in that reframing, it helps people to see like, oh, this is what this could look like lived out. We could have these important conversations. We can do this important work. And I don't have to um, piecemeal myself into, oh, I only bring this part in to that space. I have to be professional in that space. Professionalism's a joke. (laughs) That's a side note.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think I'm glad that you brought that up because it's so I think it's a really important concept to just ask people to unpack. Like, what do you think when we say you're not being professional or that didn't sound professional or that Mm -hmm. email is not professional? um, What does that mean? What does that mean exactly? And where did you learn yes what that means and what are some of the unspoken rules of uh quote-unquote professionalism thank you for that um you know of course the i'm actually sometimes i try to when i'm having this conversation like imagine listeners and i know they would almost be uh nudging me to ask you okay so by the time they are listening to this the opportunity to join the current institute might not be available Mm -hmm. for a listener who is saying, this is what I've been looking for. I would love to be a part of it next time. Or uh, do you do you also sometimes uh, on occasion for schools that have uh, a really large staff? I know that there will be multiple school listeners, uh, school leader listeners right now thinking, what if we did this as a school community? What are the opportunities? folks to connect with you to experience this in the future.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there's a few different ways. The Institute, um, yes, the, co- the current cohort is almost more than halfway done now, but the next one will launch in August. So folks can register now if they, well, actually not now, I haven't gone live yet. <laughs> folks can register next week um, for the August Institute if they like. Uh, and one of the things I will say on a more um, logistics side of things is I very much believe in not uh, withholding knowledge or experience because of uh, financial uh, limitations. And so it's sliding scale. it's it's pay what you're able. We can have a conversation like if you go and look and you see the price and you think, Oh, well, that's not for me, please email me. Let's have a talk about it because i I guarantee you it is, and we will make that happen. We'll make that possible. Um. If the institute is not right, if it's something like a school who wants to learn more, I start out with what I call one-day intensives, um, and then there's a weekend workshop, and then there's full week-long summits that I do in partnership with um, one of my close peers, Alicia T. Crosby, who actually co-curates and conjunto with me, which I'm sure we'll talk about later.
0: Yeah, I, I'm actually really curious to hear more about the origin story for that because listeners, the the link to the vision is so powerful. I almost would invite folks like pause this episode, go to the show notes, learn more both about the Interlocking Justice Institute uh, and and Kanhuto. I'm wondering, can you say more about where did that, yeah. where did that originate from? Um, and uh, again, if, if you would like to speak to the vision, um, it, it really was one as I was kind of took my breath away. Um, sorry, so that's I, cheesy, but it, but it's true.
1: No, I appreciate hearing that. Um, I in conjunto honestly came out of the same pain that interlocking justice came out of, because I left this big organization. I branched out on my own independently, and that's exciting and it's a world of possibility. And it's also really freaking terrifying, uh, and has a very high risk of failure. And that's and that can feel isolating and lonely to do on your own, and so. One of the things I started doing when I first started my business was looking, well, who who else is doing this independently? And how are they staying in community? How are they feeling supported? Do they have answers to what the heck I do in terms of being an LLC versus an s How do I file my taxes? Like the more Those sort of things, because I'm putting the wheels on the bus as I drive it. And one of the things that I discovered was that uh, the spaces that they do exist, they didn't quite meet what I needed in two ways. One, I at least did not find any that were specifically focused on people working at the intersection of spirituality and justice. Um, And while I come out of a Christian context, I'm not just speaking out of a Christian context. I mean, all spiritual practices and religions who feel compelled out out of that to do justice and liberation work. I did not see a space that caters to those people because that's a different approach to entrepreneurship than traditional entrepreneurship. The other thing I found was most of them did not consider or really center the needs and experiences of black people, indigenous people, and people of color. And our experiences with entrepreneurship are very different than those of our white counterparts. The same doors are not open, um, the same steps aren't taken and the same care and, and and, and opportunity is not offered to us. And so it requires a different approach. It requires a different level of care and community. That is where "en conjunto" comes out of. "En conjunto," in its it's so hard to like properly translate, but in its best, it is that we are. It is. It means we are in this together. But it is we. It is. It is deeper than that. <laughs> it is. It is a connection. We. We will not do this alone. We will succeed together. We will be well together. We will be en conjunto in the midst of this work. And so I started it. And then again, at this good friend, I mentioned Alicia T. Crosby has come on as my co-curator. And it's a space that honestly has expanded now to have a third purpose. It's not just for Black, Indigenous, and POC folk, though it is, it's also for folks who are just um, by virtue of nationality, ethnicity, are pushed to the borders. Um, So it's a bit more expansive than just um, people of color. And the other thing is because of my um, chronic illness and pain and because of Alicia's that impacts how we approach this work and we want to center disability in and moving forward. And so that's been a really a part of our new visioning.
0: Can I ask about the community agreements and I'm just going to pick one. Um, one of your community agreements is to commit in investing in one another through the generous sharing of time resources knowledge and opportunities and rejecting the myth of scarcity and this kind of touches back to um, what it says earlier in the vision that competition is fine collaboration is better Um, can you just expand on that a little bit for listeners
1: yeah absolutely so (laughs) <laughs> Particularly when you are people whose identities push you, push you to the margins, whether it's disability, ethnicity, uh, race, uh, you can be made to feel like, "Ooh, only one of you gets to make it. Only one of you gets to feel like successful and safe and financially secure," um, because we only have a couple spots for your spots for your folks, um, and that's not true. And in order to counter that that myth, it means moving out of abundance, there's that word abundance again, um, in the way in which we, we talk about our work with one another. And so there have been multiple times where I've had a contract or somebody else has had a contract and said, hey, I actually think that you would be great to do this. I've had someone pass a contract over to me and I've had someone um, uh, speak to the potential client and say, I really think we need to bring this person in as well. And it needs to be a partnership approach in how we offer this to you. That has won, obviously been uh, financially and in terms of reputation, helps people build their platform. But in terms of be- living with disability and chronic illness, I'll give a great example. I had a contract um, a few months ago in Mississippi, and both myself and my partner, again, Alicia, actually, we, we were both have ill at different times, had different limitations where it was like, I can't make it to the morning session. Can you pinch hit for me? I got to go lay down for an hour. Can you take this? having that person there who understands it having clients who know because we built it into our pitch to them it made us be able to be fully human even as we did the work we didn't have to again be machines and push through and power through our pain we could just be human that's what incanjunto for
0: and i wonder if in a way it's also more honest you know absolutely. i absolutely This maybe sounds like cynical, but I'm often like suspect of folks who proclaim to be leaders, just like, you know, the, like the cliched, like marching band of one or, Mm -hmm. you know, like whatever that analogy is, because I think to be human is, of course, to have that connection piece. But I think that leading for change, if you think that you can do that on your own. Who are you actually leading for change for any anyway? Um, uh, and then again, you know, what interlocking justice is trying to do, I feel like if you were if you were trying to say like you know this happens without me also being a part of something believe that believes in the power of relationship
1: mm-hmm.
0: and relationship building, um, it would just be counterintuitive to your work. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing more about your practice, about you know the the beliefs, the agreements. I'm wondering again as we move deeper into summer, which for some is that time of healing, relationship building. Um, do you have a kind of a a word of wisdom or advice for listeners who are thinking, how can I best make use of this time that is supposed to be healing and restful and um, prioritizing relationships?
1: Hmm. Word of
0: advice. I think my,
1: if we are truly prioritizing relationship, it begins with conversation. And I would say that, that it had, that it needs to happen on two fronts, that conversation, there's an internal conversation that needs to occur. And sometimes that we need assistance with that. It might be therapy. It might be a coach you have a best friend, (laughs) Um, but there needs to be some community, some conversation about what's happening within ourselves. Um, and that sounds like, oh, really, oh, it's just a simple little chat. Like that can, you know, two steps forward, one step back, sort of, or however the phrase goes. My husband and I will end up having these conversations where it's just like sort of a a, a check-in pain dump where it's just like, what is going on? What is happening inside of you? I'm noticing something. And for example, he struggles to put words to his, his feelings um i struggle to put words to my feelings in a calm fashion <laughs> so, <laughs> and so we have to help each other have that conversation with ourselves of what is going on in my body and then the other is conversation with one another of just uh, it's i say this to people all the time it's a moving target boundaries are not stagnant who our needs are not stagnant and so constant conversation of just You know, maybe the summer started off and we thought we were going to go to the beach once a week. And that's where that's where we were going to get our wellness. And actually what it looks like is I'm going to therapy once a week (laughs) and yoga, though I am not a yogi. Um, But like it's it's that constant check in of like, has the target moved? Am I am I holding tightly to what I think I'm supposed to be doing or am I being honest about what my needs might be in this moment? And those are two different things.
0: That is beautiful advice. I really appreciate that. And it's almost like, what's the metaphor of what your boundaries are made of? Is it like mm-hmm. steel that's inflexible? Yes. Or I don't know really about uh, materials, but is it like- uh, Sand? Is it, like, <laughs> sand? Uh, is it sand? sand? Yes, I like that. Um, thank you so much again for, for coming on the show. Listeners, to learn more, make sure that you head over to the show notes. Lots of links and lots of opportunities for learning. Thank you again so much. Thank you.